0: Thomas Parry.
1: Matthew Stephen Boyle.
0: How would you like to record a podcast where nothing goes wrong? Oh, that I would
1: love that. Yes, that would be uh, that would be super.
0: Let's try for one of those then. It's Tom I'm at attack. So as we allude to, um, this is the second time within a within a month or so that we've had to you have had to do this, but annoyingly uh, we recorded a podcast last week and um, the Fates it was a good one, t- one too, wasn't it? Yeah, we talked we talked about biomedin for about forty minutes. It was, was a like, good one for once. The complexity <laughs> of that, modern like... games <laughs> and everything else, and then uh, yeah, my my podcast uh, machine at the end of the podcast recording just like did a right error and mm. that was that. So that's annoying. the
1: why and that's the truth. Yeah we did, we, we did a podcast but yeah unfortunately we didn't save. At least Matt's half didn't save. I, I doubt yeah. a one sided conversation wouldn't have been very enjoyable I mean, to listen to.
0: To be fair maybe we, maybe we should try and mash that half of your podcast with the half of the podcast i recorded where you had the airplanes <laughs> and maybe see if it nets out maybe who knows to yeah. be fair i could have just sat there and like listened to your audio <laughs> and tried to like stitch together what Hell i yeah, might have that said that would
1: have been a terribly time consuming and not very fun endeavor i think
0: no it wouldn't have it would have probably ended me just going like oh i don't care about mutants. tell me tell me <laughs> well, more
1: now the excitement's died down a little bit, uh, I'll probably talk a little less about Biomutant this week than I, than I would have done the other week. Well, that's
0: that's kind of sad, I but I mm. guess also kind of good for our listeners, because you, you had some very, very high highs around Biomutant last week. Yeah. So much so that I had started to go, hmm, maybe Tom's got something. Maybe, maybe this isn't as bad as everyone has said. It's maybe not bad.
1: We... I think the reviews have been um, slightly above average, right? Yeah. Which I I think is a disservice to the quality of the game. I think it's it's better than that, uh, but I think people's the bar is set so high now, isn't it? And if a game like BioMuting can only get above average review scores, it's it would have been different a few years ago. I
0: think. Yeah, I, I I think so, but I I think there's two things to consider, right? A, it is a sixty quid game. It is a full price title. I know that you got it slightly cheaper by buying a digital code. It's still but 45 it is. quid. Yeah, but I mean, uh, that's the thing, right? It is still the price of a Horizon Zero Dawn, a Breath of the Wild, and all these other games. Um, and even though it is technically, I guess, a B-tier game, it is still charging the full price as a 61. And I think we live in a world now where there are so many like independently developed games and smaller studio games that aren't asking that full whack. That I think asking that full price kind of, in a lot of consumers' okay. heads, mine especially, is kind of like a, established a bar of quality, right? Of what you kind of expect. I mean, it's not to say that that bar of quality is always met. I mean, look at Cyberpunk, but I, mm. you know, there's a, a higher degree of polish and a higher degree of expectation around uh, yeah. that price point because of games like that. I was very
1: happy to pay what I did for it. I would have been happy to pay 55 for it, but obviously we're all bargain hunters, aren't we? So we want to oh, yeah. get stuff as cheap as we can. I think it's it's up there. I, I think perhaps there's a few niggly things, but it's an incredibly ambitious game. There's an awful lot to it. You could argue too many layers, yeah, actually. It's... Because in my experience, which I'll have to go into a, uh, in a bit, there's so much to do or in so much to customise in, in Biomutant that it seems you don't actually, you need to do as much as is there. Yeah. Uh, but I'll go into that uh, in a bit. Do you want me to talk about Biomutant now or...?
0: Um yeah we can do. I mean as you mentioned bargain hunt and I want it to be the episode title. Oh go right, okay. on David digital David Dickinson. <laughs> uh tell us how much you paid for this copy of Biomutant.
1: Oh well, I've I've told you already it's 45 pounds.
0: 45 pounds from yeah. a digital accord to Tom Parry because you are becoming a digital person.
1: I am a bit yes. Uh I I'm not against the idea of having a digital game collection. It's a bit more convenient in many ways. And having a Series S, it's sort of like, if you want to play it on the most powerful console I've got, then I would have to get the digital code. And nowadays, it's sort of like, well, why not play it on the Series S?
0: Because hard drive space, Tom, hard drive space. Remember that argument of, oh, I have two consoles Mm. because i Well, I
1: think, you know, nowadays I'm buying less indie games. I'm buying, well, less games in general, not specifically indies, but before i would buy a lot of games just to try them out yeah but i think now i'm being a little bit more selective
0: me too i mean Mm. i i had some stuff in my cart on the playstation i almost tripped myself up this morning when i purchased um the excellent playstation plus games which we'll talk about in a bit I I had put all of the, like, uh, Konami classic collections, like the arcade collection, the Castlevania, and the Contra collection in my basket when they were on sale the other day because they were, like, 40 kroner, so they, I guess they were about a fiver. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get these. Like, yeah, it'd be great to have these versions of Castlevania accessible on a PlayStation, da 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 and then I thought about it. I was like, well, A, I already own them. <laughs> I own every single game in most of these collections or have a way of emulating it, if not physically own them. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to, I'll think about this. And I left them in my cart and they were in there this morning at full price. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I checked before I yeah. clicked add, like, um, add to cart and whatever. But I, I, I've i just gotten to the point now where I can, I can scroll through. What? A lot of these sales and go like, oh, is that actually? Yeah, there's nothing here it. that I'm I need that I'm actually going to play in the show Me short too. Term, so. And
1: if the price of something does go up and then you don't want it, maybe you don't need it. Yeah. I mean, if you really I, wanted it, you'd be willing to pay the money for it.
0: Yeah, I mean the the only purchase I actually made today was the the add-ons for Virtual Fighter Five, but we'll mm. we'll talk more about that in a bit. Let's talk about BioMantis, yeah. Tom. So. This is a a third-person open-world RPG. Am I correct in my assumptions of that?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's very similar to Breath of the Wild in many respects, but it also has elements of the Fallout series, I would say. And even in terms of the combat, uh, a bit of Devil May Cry thrown in there for good measure.
0: Right. And as we've said, last week, you were very high on this game. You were, you were talking... A lot of, oh, I think people are being a bit too harsh. I think the, yeah. the scope of this game is incredible. The things you can yeah. do, it's ticking yeah. the boxes, reminding me of the best things of those games you've just mentioned. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I'd agree with all that. Yeah. What what
0: has changed, though? What has soured you? Well, I don't want to start off with, with a couple
1: numbers. of uh, small negatives that I have about the game. and They're only really quite small. I want to start off with how good this game actually is. Uh, in terms of open world games, this is one of the most beautiful open worlds I've ever experienced. I love the uh, art direction of *Balmuton*. It is yeah. it is a gorgeous game, you know, graphically and yeah, from a design standpoint. Not just the characters, also the entire world is uh, incredibly imaginative, and it's the kind of place I like to spend time in because it's quite beautiful and it's got really nice uh, atmosphere. The music helps with that. It feels like. Uh, Music straight out of like a Chinese adventure, you know, like a classic yes. sort of uh, Chinese adventure story. Um, even times it sounds like Shenmue Three in places, which is no bad thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's absolutely a wonderful game, and and it takes, uh, as I say, the really great elements from games like Breath of the Wild and Fallout: Devil May Cry, and just crams it all into. One with a sort of wrapped up in a kung fu panda type package as you're playing with these. Uh, oh well, all the inhabitants are sort of furry creatures. Yeah, that they are. They are. But um, there's also monsters and such, and there's great design in in the monsters. There's great variety in that as well. Uh, but it's just fun to play. I think the the world is amazing. The design's amazing, and the gameplay just feels good. Yeah. And there's a lot to it. And I I say, if any sort of criticism of the game is, there's maybe even too much. And I say this because I found a weapon that's really good, a couple of weapons that I'm using all the time, and also armor that's really good. And I keep picking up new things and thinking about making new guns and armor because... The uh, range of weapons is pretty cool. You have uh, ranged, ranged weapons,
2: <laughs> right. for example,
1: guns and shotguns and machine guns and bow and arrow or a, a boomerang. And then you have the um, the hand weapons, which are single-handed or double-handed, or you have like the power weapons, which are like hammers, yeah. which are double-handed weapons. Uh, so there's a huge variety to the amount of different weapons and setups that you can do. But I've got like a setup now, and I've had for some time which is absolutely perfect. Anything else I find, I can't get as good as what I've got. So there's no real incentive for me to change my loadout. Yeah. Uh, without going back so many steps. It's possible with some time, I could build those weapons up to the same level as the ones I've got now. But the question I've got is, well, why, why should I do that? I enjoy the, uh, these weapons. Um, they, they do lots of damage and it's the same with the armor, you know, I can't seem to get my armor as good as the armor I've currently got. Yeah. No matter how many amazing like little bits of armor I get or things that look cool or little add-ons for them. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's a reason for me to upgrade. And there doesn't, I don't think, I could be wrong about this, it shows the base stats. So when you're looking at uh, changing your armor and stuff, you kind of want to know what the base stats of what you've currently got are, but it gives you the stats for your armor with all the add-ons and everything.
3: Yeah. okay, so it's just showing it's, you the fully upgraded thing
1: yeah, rather so than, it's, like, where So that it's came difficult from. to see what level that armor was originally and how much I've done to it has affected its current level.
3: Yeah, I get you.
1: So it's difficult to decide if you want to change or you get stuck with the same setup. It's also the same for the amount of moves that are in the game. I mean, you've got your Wang wang, wang Fu. I can't remember exactly what it's called. I think it's Wang Fu. Wang Fu, a certain type of uh, Kung Fu in the game, which has several different styles and moves. And you know, I could change these up and start doing different things with them, but I found one particular move that's really good, so I just keep doing that. And there doesn't seem to be any need to do any of the other moves. Yeah. Yeah? So there's oh, so okay. much in the game.
0: But do you need to do it? You need to Yeah, do you know what I mean? No, I I get you. Like I the biggest criticism of this game that I'd hear, to be honest with you, is that it is a small team and Perhaps the scope creep of it and like how much ambition they had around, like, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that, has kind of left some of the areas unpolished. And I, it sounds like that's kind of what you're running into is that there is so much of it. And the question is, should they have just tightened the core gameplay things up to the nines and it, got them on par with the visuals
2: rather than feel having all this?
1: Like, they had so many ideas. And yeah. they just, oh, yeah, we could add this in, and then we'll add this in, and then we'll add this in. And I think that's great in many respects because it gives the game a lot of variety. Um, there are times when you're doing a mission that there, there, there's a certain, oh, it's, there's so much environment, it's hard to explain. But uh, so you have so many main missions. That I'll, um, your goal is to unite all the tribes in the world. The world's gone to... Pot, yeah. you know, there's pollution. This um company has uh, left all this pollution in in the world, and people are fighting. And your main objectives are to restore the peace. And in the end, if you can't save the planet, escape the planet in a, a spacecraft. Yeah. And one of the other things you can do is choose what four other people you want to take in the spacecraft with you, and right. that's one of the the the, the main missions. Um. Yes, so much to, to say about Biomutant. Uh, so there's a tribe uniting missions, which could be samey, because they usually involve you storming uh, several different uh, strongholds. And sometimes you're doing the same thing, but they do throw in curveballs and change up the... Uh, like one, I had to like uh, go underground and disturb all these moth nests, and the moths right. would attack, and that means I could take over. You know, or I'd have to get a helmet so I could get in this slingshot to be slingshotted into the fort. So each time you do one of those missions, they're slightly different. Essentially, they're the same, but they've really taken the time to add that variety in it and not make the game get uh, monotonous. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is you don't have to defeat all, I think there's like five tribes or something. I think I've defeated three And then it gives you the option because, of course, the other tribe's going to look on at you now as the person who, like, uh, took over these three places and they're going to think, well, should we just give up, you know? Uh, Okay. So you get the option then to say, do you just want to uh, stop doing these kind of missions now? Because the others are willing to just lay down their weapons and join you because they see that your cause is good. Because you can take two different paths. You can go the good way. Or the bad way, and I joined with a good uh, affiliated tribe to begin with. Right. So, Man, when this done like there's a
0: lot of complexity to this game.
1: Yeah, that's just one aspect of it. Uh, another story mission is the uh, four world eaters. There's four giant creatures, and they're essentially boss characters that have taken over the world, well, uh, destroyed parts of it. Yeah. And you've got to take them down. And they usually involve you getting a new vehicle. So you meet uh, a friendly character who's created this vehicle. Then you have to collect some upgrades for the vehicle before you can fight the World Eater, where you use the upgrades you've collected. So the first time you do it, you have a big mech suit, which you can upgrade, and then you have to find a special ammunition for it, which you need to beat that specific World Eater. Right. Okay. So you do that, you do the mission. The next one is you get the boat. Then you have to find the duckies, or duck I can't remember. the quacks, I think they're called quacks, right? So you have to get this special kind of ammo because then your next boss is sort of based on the water. Right. First boss is sort of ground boss and then it's a water boss. If you get and then of course there'll be two more vehicles to get and two more bosses with a special weapon. Yeah. So that's the other main story mission. I think there's another one on top of that, and then there's all the side quests. Okay. So there's an awful lot to keep you busy. I've been playing the game 18 hours now. I th- yeah. I'm level 27. Yeah. Still upgrading my character's base stats, you know, and then of course you've got the armor and weapon stats on top of that. Um, but the this boss I'm doing at the minute, what's he called? Gosh, I've forgotten now. I told you earlier, but I can't remember that he's a puff. He's a Porky Puff.
0: Porky Puff, yeah. He's a three-headed
1: furry beast that lives in the water, which is interesting for a furry beast to live in the water. Yeah. Anyway, he's quite hard, so um, it wasn't quite obvious what to do to defeat him, so I was struggling a bit with that. But overall, the uh, game's difficulty level is is good, you know, it, it never feels like it gets too hard. It's a nice progression. As you level up, the enemies level up with you, you know, they... Usually around the same level you are, yeah. Uh, so it doesn't get too difficult, but the boss battles do provide, you know, a little bit more challenge.
0: Challenge, yeah. No, I get you. I'm looking. I'm curious actually because I'm looking at how long to beat, and it says the main story is only 11 hours long. Really? Like, and don't get me wrong, completionist says 34. But I mean, like, mm. it sounds like it's an absolutely massive world.
1: It is a massive world, yeah. The side quests seem seemingly endless. Um, I could see myself playing this game for a very long time. But yeah, I, I've as I think anyone would. You don't just go for the main story missions. On your way to a story mission, you might find uh, something like a, a, a town burning, yeah. and because you're a good-natured person, you want to help them out, and that involves yeah. uh, defeating the enemies who've attacked the town, and then going around to these resource totems um collecting some wood for the, the village and then sawing the wood and then fixing the village up. Yeah. And that's just one of the things that could distract you from a <laughs> from the main story quest. There's lots of variety in the side quests I think. And I'd read some criticism of the side quests that uh, they're they're not that interesting and I, I would disagree with that. I think there's a lot of variety in them and they are fun to do. Because there's also things like getting all the um suits there's different suits to access different areas of the game because some areas are like a uh, biohazard area or a no-oxygen area or a hot right. or a cold area. And so there's several suits that you can find. Now, to get the suits, you do a particular mission, which is to find a satellite dish, and they call them ping-pings in the game. So you've got a satellite dish, you do a very easy little puzzle. The puzzles in the game are just turning things in the right direction. Okay. They're not challenging but uh, you do that and then you can get the other suits there's so many layers to this game it's absolutely huge and i think it's amazing that they've done so well with this an ex- extremely complex game made incredibly well by you know a studio which isn't considered you know one of the top tier a list uh, studios yeah um i yeah i i could sing the praises of the game until the the cows come home, as they say. <laughs>
0: I can I can hear that. The fact that you are still so into it as well is really interesting to me.
1: Mm, what I like about it, one of, the, one of the many things I like about it, is you're not playing as a human protagonist. You're, you're a creature. And that really appeals to me, because that sort of thing you associate more with like mascot platformers or something like that. Yeah. Not necessarily open-world RP, action RPGs like this is. Um, And so I really like that, and I think that's a very different offering to what else is available within that genre. Yeah. And I would say anyone who's a fan of Breath of the Wild are going to like this. If you're a fan of Fallout, you're going to like this, because as well as, obviously, the gameplay elements in terms of customizing weapons, collecting loot and such, then you've got that sort of kind of apocalyptic scenario, because the whole thing's based around the environment. And it's, it's a very anti-violence game, you know. There's a game where you're attacking lots of things, but the main message, if you want to play in the good way, is peace will bring us together. You bring together the tribes to create peace. Yeah. You know, and, and you're trying to stop the pollution. And I think it's got some really strong, positive uh, messages as well. Okay.
0: I, I would be curious of playing it. Like, obviously, we talked about this last week, and so I yeah. will I will quickly kind of rephrase it. So there's a... A lot of the story is told via a narrator. A yeah. narrator which is very, like, Attenborough-esque. Mm. And when I, I say that to you, dear listeners, it's this idea that, like, the narrator sounds a bit like David Attenborough, but he also talks in third person, does he not?
1: Yeah. He's a little more... Um charismatic in, in his way he speaks you know okay. it's not flat it's well i'm not saying attenborough is not charismatic but he gets quite excited about certain things and he's quite his uh tone can be quite comical at times it reminds me of fable for instance
0: yeah, yeah. but it, there's also a degree of it right where the rather than the creatures saying for example like oh i need you to go and yes, get me yes. 12 he of needs, these things." he
1: needs you to do this he needs yeah. you to do that
0: and that weird kind of, like, second-person narration.
1: Some people don't like that. I, I, I think you get used to this in Biomutant, and it's quite charming, I would say. It doesn't, okay. like, affect me in such a negative way as it has some reviewers who really have not liked that approach. I think it's it makes the game very different, and the only criticism I have around that is some of the conversations last too long they kind of go around in right. circles sometimes whereas it's sort of like let's get to the point so i often find myself skipping the narrator through conversations yeah um you can change the frequency of which the narrator actually uh talks in the options menu so okay. but that doesn't change the frequency of which the characters talk and the amount of questions that you might be asked and go around in in circles so that that would be another small criticism like uh, that it could have been tightened up but a lot of the um, conversations include choices which i think are you know affecting your good or bad uh, ratio so i think when you make certain decisions you're affecting that light or dark um, meter that you have in the game
0: okay but overall it sounds like you're still quite positive on this game.
1: Absolutely, like, yeah.
0: Some, some of the shine may have come off it, but it's still a Tom Parry recommendation. Well,
1: it was quite, it's quite overwhelming when you first play Biomutant because it's like a game that was made for me. It appealed to all the kinds of games I like playing uh, with an art style and a story that really appealed to me as well. Yeah. So it was going to be a hit. I knew for the moment I saw that, and I saw that so the kung fu action-based gameplay in this world with these characters, and I was like, yeah, I'm there. This is my kind of game for sure.
0: I mean, long-time listeners of the podcast will know that you were very excited about this game. As soon as I saw this game, I was like, "Oh, that's a Tom game." Like
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It uh, is it very clearly appealing to your aesthetic and gameplay. Yeah. Loves, so, yeah,
1: for sure. And I think good open world games can keep keep you playing to a point where you don't want to stop playing which is uh, what what happens with me when I start playing Biomutant.
3: Yeah. And
1: that's a sign of uh, a good game. Now, some pe- there are a couple of things I want to mention it, in terms of the combat. Initially, when I started playing the combat, you have to get used to the timing within the combat because it doesn't feel it's always as instant as you'd expect it to be when you press a yeah. button and to when you do a move. Playing it now for nearly 20 hours, that comes second nature. You will get used to that. So don't be... if put off by that when you start playing it because you will eventually get used to it and i think most will eventually get used to the narrator as well okay but that that's another thing that may put people off initially but what shouldn't put you off is some of the reviews i've seen saying that the game's incredibly buggy i have encountered a couple of glitches in my 20 hours but i could count the amount of glitches on one hand you know yeah um Three or four times there's been something weird that's happened. For example, the character might have disappeared completely for a few seconds. Uh, yeah, otherwise, nothing else is particularly memorable in terms of uh, glitching. Um, no. They're very small. In a game this big and this ambitious, I kind of a, expect a couple of little hitches. Yeah. Um so don't be put off. It doesn't crash every hour, like I read one review. Uh this was played on the PS five though. The Kataka review said that it would uh, crash every hour of gameplay. Well it in my experience it's never crashed, so
0: Okay. I mean I I've not heard it crashing a lot from like what no. I've heard in review coverage either. So maybe yeah, that's I think a...
1: that's not to be taken with a grain of salt in that particular uh, reviewer. Also, um, you get people picking about the frame rate. As standard, it's on uh sixty frames per second. You can you can fix it to a lot uh, thirty frames per second, which a lot of people have been recommending. I didn't notice anyth- anything bad about playing on the sixty frames per second uh, mode that's set up with. So, okay. I don't know. Maybe I I think this uh, may my tolerance is higher, and I don't notice things the way some other people do. But I think it plays absolutely fine with that 60 um, frames per second mode that the game's got, on the Series S at least. I can't comment on the other formats. So don't worry about that either if you've seen these reviewers because we talked about this last week. I think a lot of people now are jumping on a bandwagon of it's the thing to talk about frame rate. You know, and um, frame rate... um, Unless it's really bad, affects different people in different ways. I think. Yeah. And some people don't notice slight glitches in the well, hitches, I suppose, in frame rate. Um
0: I mean I I do. Like sometimes like if a frame rate drops to a crawl, I'll be like, yeah. Oh, that's not great. But I mean it, it does not There's
1: nothing like that in Biomutant. You never right. experience frame rates dropping to a crawl ever, even when there's a lot going on. Uh, so Okay. again, I think there's a lot of... Well, there's a few at least false sort of uh, statements going around. Or exaggerated statements, at least, regarding well, Biomutant.
0: I'm sure they're not false. I'm, I'm sure they are that person's experience. But I, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week in that, that episode that no one will ever hear. But I, I we did kind of impress up this idea that I think a lot of people talking about frame rates feel they should talk about frame rates because... That's part of the hobby, mm. and like you should be critical of frame rates, and I just don't really care. It's never really yes. been my bag. No, it's, neither has
1: it been mine. Yeah,
0: it's the it, it's the modern day equivalent of like what CRT are you using, isn't it? Like it's like oh yeah, ooh, this this game doesn't keep a constant sixty frames, and I know because I've got a little box that tells me like there's I, different I levels,
1: care. different levels to um, the hobby, isn't there, of how much you're into it, and I think. When you've experienced so much of the hobby, then you might want to take it to the next level. The next level is, uh, you know, thinking about things like that—things you won't notice. The average person won't notice in, the, in a game,
0: exactly. And that, that's that's where I draw the line. It's like, okay, is this a one-off experience, or is this something that people are going to experience when they play this game? It's what I look out for in game by games. It's like, okay, yeah. this is a very old game is this just an isolated incident of me doing something or is this something that constantly happens? And if it is, Mm. then I'll point it out. If it's just a one-off thing, then Mm. I I leave it alone.
1: I think if you're having fun and these things that might be slightly imperfect aren't affecting your enjoyment of the game, then it's nothing to be concerned about.
0: Exactly. Yeah, It's always this constant
1: search for perfection, isn't it? And if something's not perfect, even if you don't notice it's not perfect, it's not right. You know? Yeah. If someone tells you it's not perfect, then that can be enough for some people to decide, no, I I won't bother with that then.
0: Well, I mean, I get it, right? Like, a lot of people don't have the luxury of throwing lots of money at video games like we have in Mm. the past. A lot of people also just are time conscious and like, okay, I trust this reviewer. Uh, Is this something I'm going to like? And Mm. I get that. I, I totally do. But at the same time... I also think a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this myself, of letting others decide your taste for you, and like having... You see it a lot, right, when people get really angry at review scores, like uh, some of the shit that was going on around Cyberpunk, where people had built up in their mind because of the marketing Mm. hype for Cyberpunk, Mm. like, oh my god, this is going to be the best game ever made, and then... Were literally attacking reviewers for a game they've never played because they disagreed with their opinion. It's like, how can you disagree with someone's opinion if you haven't experienced? Yeah, you've got it?
1: to play the game. I think if you've got a, if the game interests you, then well, by all means, read reviews. But you know, be subjective when you read the reviews. I think
0: exactly. Just just realize because the cultural zeitgeist, because Twitter or. Not NeoGAF, I can't remember the blinking name. Next Euro Forums or anything are telling you, ooh, this game's bad. This game's thirty frames." Just <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Just like enjoy the things you enjoy. Like look at a critical eye, but also look at the critique with a critical eye and go like, "Oh, yes,
1: actually, yes. Will I this mean, actually, I don't me? mind that about a game. That's not going to affect my enjoyment of it. I'm gonna get it because, yeah, I think I'll like it.
0: Yeah. Okay, dogs. That's there enough on. Biomutant. I think that I think we
1: could draw a line under that. But that game is a Bar
0: is an amazing game. Um, I I, r- I don't know, Tom. Like I, to be critique of your critique, it sounds like you think it's a good game. I don't. I don't know if you think it's amazing. I
1: think there's elements of it which are frankly amazing, and when all these elements come together, it does create something. I could say is an
0: amazing game. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough.
1: It's amazing that something like this exists. Something that you know I appreciate in so many levels actually exists is amazing.
0: (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) uh, I'm not going to yucky yum. It's fine.
1: Yeah. Also, one one last thing. If you like rareware games, it's got that charm, I think.
0: Yeah. That's something I've viewed in reviews as well. I didn't
1: mention before. I think maybe it's the talking creatures. Uh, But it's also the design and the art direction as well. And uh, yeah, the quality of the gameplay—it's it, sort of very reminiscent of a of a rareware
0: game. I but I hear there is there are very much like N64 rare vibes is the the thing I've heard a lot like of your banjos and your yeah. And your Jet Force I won't Gemini. have
1: anyone anyone say anything bad about um, Banjo Kazooie. I know hey, that it's kind of like if if they mashed up Banjo Kazooie and Jet Force Gemini.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, shooting and animals, and then all of the rest of the <laughs> other stuff that's come afterwards has informed it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess there's a degree of that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Right. I've I've played two things. Uh, surprise! Surprise, Tom Parry. I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, um, it, it's sort of like when been... you
1: were playing Yakuza a lot. Yeah, it's I kind, kind of become... knew you were going to uh, bring it up.
0: No, well, to be fair, I am I am pretty much at the end of my journey with Final Fantasy XIV. Now, I am on patch 5.5, which is the last patch, so I have like nine quests left to go. And then I will be finally up to date with that game. Um, I've really enjoyed my time with it. The best bit of my time in the last week or so was A, them completely doing a twist a on the story of me going like, oh, my God, I have no idea where Endwalker's going to go. This is amazing. Like mm. you've, you've built a story that I was like, okay, well, Endwalker, you're going to be fighting this person, you're going to be doing this. And then they're like, nah! And I'm like, oh, sneaky square, you're getting very good at telling this story. I like this. I'll buy Endwalker. <laughs> um, so that was good. But I I finally got to do the thing that got me into final fantasy 14 in the first place and that is the near raids i i've done the first two of the three so as part of final fantasy 14 tom like every every expansion they have what is called an alliance raid and essentially what that is is they have like three raids that are i think 20 man that are released okay. over the course of that expansion so they are like the big the big boy raids and there are extreme versions of those that only are played by the hardest of hardcore players but i i've just went through and played it on the regular ones with the friends that convinced me to play this in the first place this year unlike previous releases where i think the first A Realm reborn ones were based on final fantasy 3 and then the second ones were bahamut so i think it were based roughly on 5 they have, like, thematic cues from previous Final Fantasy games, and then they bring a lot of, like, loot and stuff in from those games for people who really like Final Fantasy deep cuts. This time, with Shadowbringers, which is the last expansion, they did it around Nia, so Yokotaro got to design some of these encounters and everything ah. else. And I'd be like, oh, wow, there's some Nia content in Final Fantasy XIV, that's kind of cool crossover, I bet that's fun. And I saw a video of it, and it looked like the most intense thing I had ever seen. Which is saying something, because I used to play WoW pretty hardcore. I, I've i been through very hardcore raiding. I've been that person that I'm kind of now mocking with the extreme raids in Final Fantasy fourteen Of like, okay, we need to all sit down. We need to watch tactics videos. We need to understand what we're doing and all this. I went into that raid, man. And like, honestly there's a lot going on. There's lots of like moving, there's lots of mechanics, there's lots of stuff. But the story is very interesting and it riffs on Nier in a very interesting way that I'm like, it's really weird you've kind of mashed these two worlds together. Mm. I get you kind of being like wink and a nod to Final Fantasy 3 bosses. Yeah. But like having S and 2B in this game is a bit weird, but it was cool. I really enjoyed it. And the... They make a thing of, after you've done the raids, the first one's called the Puppet Bunker. I can't remember the name of the second one. Of you, like, going back through the levels and being able to explore those environments. You're like, wow, this is the spaceship from the start of Nier Automata. This is quite cool. Look at that. I can wander around and have a look at the things. And there are the same kind of, like, codec entries. I've forgotten what they're called in the around the world then you can read afterwards and they kind of tell you the story of Nier Automata and the original Nier and things through the lens of Final Fantasy fourteen. It's really cool. I yeah. really enjoyed it. It It's probably the most fun I've had in a raid in that game. And that says a lot because I, I have enjoyed my time with it. I will say now I am at the point where... I've played it for however many hours. I haven't dared to type forward slash played in yet, which will tell me how long I've spent playing that game, because I want to do that when I've done all the content, when I get to the end of 5.5. Oh, that's how you find out. You have to type in you, a command. You can type in the command forward slash played, yeah, and it'll tell you. Hmm, that's a different way of doing it. Well, I no, they've done that for a WoW, while. They've done that for lots of things. It's kind of an MMO treat. But I, oh, okay. I also, I but on the think, console, I, mean, I also yeah. But I mean, like it's the same on everything. You still need to use a keyboard. You still need to type messages to people. Are you using like,
1: a keyboard when you I'm play? not.
0: No, I use no. the controller. I yeah. just press triangle and it brings up the thingy keyboard. But you could,
1: you could, you could use a
0: keyboard. You can. I know people who do. I, I'm not that serious about it. I, I like to play on a weekend these raids, and I like to be casual about it. I don't want to get a keyboard. Seems a bit too full on. Seems a bit. You a have a a USB
1: key, You don't have a USB keyboard I don't lying think around. I do.
0: I, if I see one in a charity shop, maybe I'd pick one up. <laughs> I, I don't. Again, I don't really want an extra. I keyboard used to use
1: around. a USB keyboard with my Xbox 360 occasionally, yeah. but then you know, I think the keyboard broke and I didn't really miss it. So,
0: <laughs> I always wanted one of those little BlackBerry yeah. type things. You could yes, flip you into plug it into thingy. the controller. Yeah, I never got one. I never shame, got one either. I also went to the GameCube controller as well for PSO, and I never bought one of those because at the time I just couldn't afford it. And now mm. they're ridiculously expensive. Now I definitely yeah. couldn't.
1: So, you, would you say it's the best near crossover since Soul Calibur six
0: I I would say it's probably <laughs> better than Soul Calibur Six Tom. I'm, I'm sorry to break that to you, but I I've thoroughly enjoyed my time with it.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so I'm gonna beat this patch. I will tell you on the podcast how long it took me to go from. The start of Realm Reborn and through all this content to get up to date, um, because I I think people are probably curious about that and how long it would actually take. I will say that as of five point three, which is a couple of patches ago, they streamlined a lot of Realm Reborn because when I played it, it was a very very long game. But fortunately for me, I had a sinus infection and I couldn't really do a lot, <laughs> yeah. So I I got through a lot of it on that, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah i'm enjoying my time with the game still i'm very curious to see how much time the game will demand of me once i've beaten Mm. these last bits of patch because i i yeah i can run for gear i can do other things but it, it i've always i've always been i had fallen for that trap of like numbers go up playing wow there was a point in time where i had the best geared scored hunter on my server because i played so much and i realized that that is the trap that is the loop i wasn't really enjoying playing the game i wasn't really enjoying playing Uh. the story that much and so i was like well what is in this game for me if not just making the numbers go up on my gear and that's a constant chase like there's there will always be better gear that is the loop of the game and once i kind of discovered that it broke it for me and the interesting thing about final fantasy 14 is I give a shit about the story more than i actually care about playing the game mm-hmm. and playing the game is kind of a means to me progressing this very interesting story and so i'm not sure how much i will play this late game content even now i've just got there because the nia stuff's really interesting but like everything else is oh you go into this raid you fight this boss you come out and then job done i don't know if i will have the interest to keep running that stuff for slightly better versions of the gear i already okay. have yeah so i might drop off it this might be the last time you hear about me talking about final Fantasy until endwalker comes out after next week but let's see how it goes
3: okay cool yeah
1: uh, i look forward to uh hearing how many hours you've sunk into that
0: eventually. i'm i'm nervous to find out i think the reason they hide it behind a command tom is that a lot of people just don't want to know <laughs> but I play yeah. with a lot of people who i I'd imagine are very very high play times and i I hope I don't have that mm. higher play time but let's see cool, yeah, you been playing anything else by i else? have
1: um very much enjoying halo o d s t
0: yep, Best I've never played game.
1: it before uh we did talk about this on the uh, lost podcast we need to stop
0: uh... referring to it we like <laughs> the we keep okay, drawing yeah, attention yeah, yeah. to this thing. Say, that but yes, can't listen see,
1: to. it's not a surprise to you that I'm mentioning Odst because I told you last week I was playing it. So I don't want to yep. pretend like I've never mentioned it. <laughs> oh, Odst. <laughs> yeah, which sounds yeah. like a smelly T-shirt, doesn't it? An Odst.
0: An Odst. Oh, <laughs> might have a better podcast title now, Tom Parry. God um, damn it.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I've never played it before. I Don't know why it's taking me so long to play it, but um, I think I'm halfway through. I would say. It's I've not done, very long, yeah, like f- five missions or something.
0: You might be very close to the end, from what I well, remember. Well, the last mission
1: I did was at the zoo, where he's the heavy guy, and he landed at the zoo, and you have, to, you know what I mean? It's yeah, a bit you're with a- the warthog, where you, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, there's yeah. quite a few wraith to take down, and yeah, that I think one of the. Uh, most appealing aspects of odsts you don't feel invincible you know you you don't have as much health as master chief might have for example and so yeah you do find yourself close to death a bit more is that fair to say
0: it is i mean like you have to use health packs and stuff right yeah brought that back from the original halo and there you don't feel invincible you don't feel like you can just run into a a thing of elites and just mess them up like it, no, it's no. more tactical you have to be a
1: bit more cautious and tactical in the way you play it
0: you do and i really enjoyed that i odst is my favorite entry into the halo series that shadow of a doubt i mm, also like best halo the, game.
1: the way the story's told and it's kind of like a small story it's a side story isn't it to halo 3 yeah. because uh, it's technically halo 3 odst and uh, you, you, it's this squad, isn't it? And they, they've all landed at different places. In every mission, yeah. you're taking over a different character who landed in a different spot, and they're all sort of coming together. Yeah?
0: Well, you, you're playing as one character, aren't you? And you're kind of going around that world and finding evidence of what must have happened. Well, that's part of it. But you... occasionally,
1: you will play as different characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm yeah. saying.
0: Like, you yeah, find okay. the information, yeah. and then, like, you see the story of what happened Oh, I them. get it. I get what mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, i I. I like it. I think it's really cool. It's you'll like find no... a,
1: um, a a clue. Uh, it's like solving a mystery, aren't you? Yeah. And then you'll play the mission related to the clue.
0: Exactly. You kind of yeah. piece it together through that. Yeah. I, I think it's very clever. I like that game. Yeah. It's got a noir vibe to it that I, I really oh, dug the at the
1: music. Can we just talk about the music in ODST? Chef's Kiss. Yeah, it's oh. amazing. I mean, it goes through different moods as well. It has some like quite uh, subdued music in certain places, Uh, and then your typical sort of more strings when the action like, uh, but with electronic underpinnings as Halos known for. I mean, it's I think out of all the Halo games, it's probably the score that's uh, impacted on me the most because the variety in it, I think. Of course, you know you can't argue with the the Halo theme as being a, a fantastic piece of music. But
0: I mean, Halo, um,
1: as a whole, it's got some of the best video game music uh, out there, isn't it?
0: I mean, for sure, right? Like it, it, it is what it is. It's also, I just think ODST is a a very good example of what Bungie was able to do when they made a small controlled thing. Because I, I also yeah. think that. Next to Odst, Reach is my favourite. I think yeah. Reach works because it is a contained story, and yes, it yeah. does. It gives you clues to the rest of this Halo universe, but like it is, it is within itself a small yeah. contained thing, and it, it riffs off of Halo. And it's funny that isn't it?
1: Re- Reach is also my favourite um, so far. Uh, yeah. I mean, of course, I haven't finished Odst, um, but I played all of them. I've just not finished all of them. I finished Halo One and Halo Two, and never finished Halo Three. Uh, yeah. I finished Reach. I didn't finish four. I didn't finish five. I will do when I, when <laughs> eventually. But it's actually those ones where Master Chief isn't the protagonist that have had the most
0: appeal for me. I I I think the the thing is these games don't contain things like the flood. They don't get into the weird pseudo politics of the Covenant. They mm. don't do like all of this always oh, AI good or bad with katana yeah they just, yeah they play the you are an alien and invader and it's you are clearly the underdog in those tales you are clearly fighting an overwhelming force and getting through it and with
1: the everyman it, it, man military guy aren't you you're not a super cute yeah. Pu- yeah i mean i guess the uh in halo reach they, they're spartans are they
0: yes uh yeah they are but i mean yeah. it, it's kind of like star wars right like they are very they are people. ragtag bunch ragtag of, uh, bunch of people and yeah. like fighting overwhelming odds and then as soon as you get politics involved with this episode 1 and you're like mm, maybe I could have done without that bit like this bit was particularly cool uh, yeah
1: comparison there but um if you haven't played Halo 3 ODST uh then uh, yeah you should, should check get it out. on that it's Yeah a good game. yeah yeah and Reach if you've never played Reach but I imagine you probably have I hope so <laughs> <laughs> um have you been playing anything
0: else, Matthew? Uh yeah, I played the demo this morning of uh, World's End Club, which is mm. the new game by the the minds behind Dangon and it's it's clearly very ripping off the the note riffing, not ripping. I just want to make that clear. Off oh, yes. the note uh, the nonnery game series, so like Virtue's Last Reward and Nine 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 and these kind of games it's very good. I, I played the demo of it, and I don't think it's going to have those, oh, you need to replay the game several different ways with new information kind of things that Danganronpa and these other games have. I'm sure it does have alternate endings, and I'm sure there are branching paths to it. Because I, I died once or twice without meaning to. Does the game kind of like tutorializing, oh, if you make certain choices, you will yeah. die. Yeah. But it isn't just a straight-up visual novel, because I know you, Tom Parry, as soon as I mention the word visual novel, you're like, oh... Well, I um, know. I'm not a is, fan. Which is, is a fair response, to be honest. Um, no. and Yeah. It does I play games have, for different reasons. <laughs> it, it is... While it is primarily a, a visual novel, like, there is a lot of talking, there's a lot of character dialogue. You are still going around the world, and from what I can see, there's, like, platforming elements. Mm. Um I realised this morning that the game was actually originally developed as part of Apple Arcade, which is where I will probably now play the game, because I I have Apple Arcade, and why would I pay 30 quid for something on a Switch when I can literally have access to it through my my £4 a month on Apple? Yeah, Um, you play
1: it on your your laptop, MacBook.
0: I I can play it on my MacBook, or I can play it on my phone, or I can do whatever. So I was like, okay, I'll just do that, why not? Um the The interesting thing about it is is the the demo kind of sets it up to be oh, this is the hook of this game, like they all have one, and the the hook of the demo at least is everyone has a bracelet that has another person's name on it
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the depending on. Everyone has these bracelets. Someone has a name written on it of another person, but it also tells you the task they have to do to win this game. Mm-hmm. And so there's an hour's timer on the clock saying, oh, well, you." there's 13 of you in this, on this school trip that end up in this weird amusement park. Only one of you can win, but to win, you would have to find out what information, what your task is by looking at another person's watch. And right. so, there are cases where you were going around and I'm like, okay, well the goal is probably, you go through this once, you survive or someone else survives, but through doing that, you know what everyone else needs to survive. And so, you kind of play it that way. So, you, you make sure that everyone knows what their plan is so they don't get killed. So, you can all get out to there together. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, it didn't actually play that way. Which I thought was interesting. It it showed everything, and it was building up to be that kind of 999 repeated plays type of game. Because everyone's portrait was at the top of the screen, and like any time anyone died, they put a cross through it, and you could access the, the pause menu to see, Oh, this person can't bleed before seven minutes into the end of the game, so I need to make sure he survives until this point and doesn't come into contact with someone that's going to look to do him harm. This person needs to ride a slide with this person so I need to keep both of them alive long enough, but not let them go down the slide together. Da-da-da-da-da. But it didn't do that. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Essentially, what happened was, a lot of these people kind of accidentally killed themselves. And then, I I had like a, a moral choice at the end of the demo, and then I made it and everyone was alive. And then they were like, oh, now there's another game. And I was like, I don't know if this idea of multiple games and multiple ideas throughout it is going to be as fulfilling as something like a Danganronpa or a 999. I don't think there's going to be that same level of replayability in different endings and everything else. And to be fair... Danganronpa didn't really have that anyway. From what I remember with Danganronpa, yes, there were some alternate endings, but there was only like one true ending, if you get me. And characters did die, and characters did do other things. But uh, I'm very curious. Like, it's apparently it's only about seven hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the controls on the Switch especially the platform and stuff, felt a bit too loose, which I'm guessing plays into the idea of, okay, this is meant to be played on a touchscreen originally, so they've done what they can. Jump feels a bit floaty in a in mm. a way that I didn't really love. But let's see. I'll get into it. I'll I'll let you all know next week when I yeah. have a chance to play I'm it on interested. the iOS to see how it is.
1: interested to hear about that,
0: yeah. I like the demo. It's on the Switch. Uh, you can go download that. You
1: mentioned uh, about what a good month it had been for PlayStation Plus subscribers, yes. uh, and I think that's partly down to uh, Virtua Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown. Yeah, boy. being released as one of the two games; the other being uh, Star Wars Squadrons, which is yeah, uh, yeah another great game. And, and so it's a nice uh, offering this month, I would say.
0: I would say so. I mean, it was a game that I had been curious about that I wanted to get out of the library because yeah. I I know. Star Wars. From talking to you, it, yeah. yeah, Star Wars. That it is a game that is kind of it has a very good, compelling campaign, and the multiplayer is not bad. But it it also seems quite short. So I was like, oh, I don't really mm. want to plonk full whack down for this, but I'll gladly play it as part. Of I
1: would say Plus. it's not the most accessible game. That you have to learn it a bit, yeah. and it's quite challenging. But I think if you want that sort of thing, that's close to X Wing versus Tie Fighter, or... yeah. Typhi X Wing, those classic PC games, and this is yeah a good alternative to those. I... But it's not as you know uh, simulation like as those, but it has no. elements of them.
0: Yeah, I like flying around in spaceships, shooting other spaceships, Tom. Is...
1: See how you find it. I'll be interested to uh, hear your your thoughts on it. Cause it's not a game that's kept me playing. I no. played it initially. I thought this is great. Yeah, but yeah, it felt like a lot of work. To sort of understand how to play it, so it sort of uh, dropped off my, um, you know, off your, list off, of games I was playing.
0: <laughs> I would have said Radar seems. Yes, Radar. Yeah,
1: anywhere. I thought about that. I thought
0: that didn't make any sense. So <laughs> that's how it goes. I'd be curious to play. But have you been playing any Virtual Fighter Five? Yes, I assume you yes.
1: Have. Yeah, I tried it the other day. And if you like Virtual Fighter Five, <laughs> you're gonna like uh, Ultimate Showdown. Yeah. It's uh, very much the same, but um, it's wrapped up in a shiny new package with improved visuals. I would say, though, one slight uh, criticism I had was yeah, losing connection online happened maybe three times in 25 minutes of playing. That sucks. Um, Now, it didn't always happen during a fight, it happened sort of between fights. You know, so yeah. maybe if you wanted to rematch somebody, it it dropped out in between selecting rematch, and uh, even when the other players also agreed to rematch. So I think they got just a few things to sort out there, but uh, it's a nice little package, and I, I do like the uh, visual upgrades the game had. I didn't know whether I'd like that because I thought the original Virtua Fighter Five looks great. So I was sort of like, well, why, why change it? But the things they have done um, do update it uh, a little, and help it fit in with this generation of consoles, which I think was the reasoning why uh, they chose to do that. But uh, it plays like you'd expect it to do. It's presented very nicely as well. It's got a sort of uh, new uh, HUD menu system there's an arcade mode thank gosh there's an arcade mode uh because I don't like it when they release these games like Calibur Broken Destiny on the PSP was a good example of that it doesn't have a proper arcade mode you know so I'm glad that they kept that in so you've got arcade mode you've got um matchmaking you've got uh, a room you set up a a room to have fights in you know what I mean by that yeah 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 (laughs) yeah (laughs) I didn't explain it very well, uh, but there's also options to customize your characters, which um, you can get access to through buying the uh, optional um, content pack, which is relatively uh, which cheap.
0: I did. I I have to be honest. As much as I'm probably not going to play much of Virtual Fighter, hmm. I like the idea of Virtual Fighter being in the world. And I was like, well, me plunking down a tenner on this probably ensures that I think that it's seven ninety nine. Seven ninety nine for that. Yeah, uh, it was seventy five kroner. Yeah, you're mm. right. It's probably like seven ninety nine. But I was like, yeah, I, I like this. I like Virtual Fighter, and it's also the Ryuga Gotoku Studio, like the Shenmue guy, uh, not Shenmue no. guys. I mean, it <laughs> was, the, it. to be fair, it was the the mm. old Shenmue guys working on this, right, okay. for Virtual Fighter Five. It was a Yu Suzuki joint. Uh, but, yeah, and
1: I, I think those original developers of Virtual Fighter Five have been called in to oversee this uh, conversion of the game. Uh, so that's nice. It's very true to the original game and plays like you'd expect it to. So don't don't think they've messed it up because they certainly haven't. If you like no. the old one, you're going to like this one. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, y- you know, like I I had never been a big fan of Virtual Fighter. I'd I played a little bit of two, I think it was, in the arcade because one of the the places we used to go to a caravan park in cornwall had Mm. it and i i liked it and then i kind of bounced off and it wasn't until really i got into playing dead or alive that i kind of saw the comparison with dead or alive in how those kind of games operate and i mean there's a reason why they eventually ended up putting king of uh not king of fighters Why they ended up putting virtual fighter characters in Dead or Alive, because I think they're quite similar in how they Mm. play in that it's a three-button fighter, right? Like, admittedly, Dead or Alive's Mm. got the low, medium, high types of punches, but this is just punch, kick, block, right? And then how you use those.
1: Well, you know, you can attack low and high um, as well, but it's not the emphasis was on that on Dead or Alive, and it was to do with the countering. You know that all yeah. that high, medium, low thing was to do with uh, getting the right counter uh, in. Uh, this is definitely a slower game. Virtua Fighter has always been slower than than Dead or Alive. It feels yeah. more tactical. It feels more like real martial arts, like a martial arts simulator, perhaps. But still, yeah. like an arcade style. It's always been an arcade game, of course. But um, yeah, it's slower, more tactical there's a incredible amount of depth in Virtua Fighter, but at the same time, it's very accessible. Yeah. There's more depth, probably, to Virtua Fighter than there is to Dead or Alive. Uh, there's less flash, I suppose.
0: Less jiggle. So.
1: <laughs> less jiggle. Uh, it did surprise me, though, that I couldn't... It took a long while to find matches. And considering yeah. this game's just come out, I was expecting more people to have jumped on it. But I do think it's still going to be a game with a a dedicated audience, but oh, absolutely. that audience I don't think is going to break out into the mainstream.
0: I, I think it'll do well. I think the the issue that I've heard is this game doesn't have rollback netcode, so it is server-based.
1: I've never played, I don't think, a fighting game with rollback netcode, unless I'm mistaken.
0: Guilty Gear, Dragon Ball... A lot of these more modern games from Arc Systems have. Okay. Come back. Uh,
1: maybe maybe um, Grand Mortal Blue Kombat Fantasy two, has it. I
0: think as well. Yeah. But what what else has it? Sorry? Mortal Combat, I think the latest one, 11.
1: Okay, so the majority of things I play was Tekken seven, and it would be Dead or Alive, and Soul Calibur. So I don't know if if they those have that.
0: I'm not too sure. I, I know the ARC Systems games as a black. But I didn't do.
1: notice, other than, you know, not finding many matches and being disconnected a couple of times, um, they played fine online. To yeah. me anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, like, it seems like the netcode they're using isn't rollback, but from what I understand it it does the job. It's something done suicide, yeah. even though it isn't true rollback net codes to make Use of like latency and all this kind of stuff. So it okay, doesn't yeah, and uh, well, tip of the balance.
1: Yeah, the latency thing's never really been an issue for me. I think for those hardcore peop enthusiasts, yeah, that yeah. they're gonna obviously when they play it competitive, well, you can't do it online, I guess, competitively because of those things. But with the rollback, I guess you can.
0: Yeah, exactly. Rollback yeah. kind of allows you to do that. And yeah. but, but if you're just your playing games.
1: it for fun and playing it casually, then I think you'll be quite all right. Just, yeah, I didn't like being disconnected and I'm slightly concerned how there isn't seem to be many people playing it. At least when yeah. I was playing it. Maybe I was playing the wrong time of the day.
0: I mean, don't play it in the morning because you'll play a lot of Japanese people. I was playing in the afternoon. Get your ass kicked. Maybe the it afternoon. was just in that weird lull between things. I've, <laughs> I found this while playing the the competitive thing in Pokemon Go that the best times to play that are generally in around like four five o'clock in the afternoon because okay. you've got the Japanese players are asleep and the, the American players are just waking up. So they're, they're perhaps in work or whatever. So you kind of mm. get that nice window where you're playing people in Europe who aren't potentially that hardcore about yeah. it.
1: Um, What did you make of the news, Matt, that Yuji Naka's uh, thinking about retiring? I mean... He's 55. He said in the statement, he's 55, you might as well retire. He can't talk about why he left uh, Square Enix or was made redundant. I'm not sure exactly what happened there, and he's not talking about that. I mean, quite understandably. Um, but I yeah. mean, I,
0: I, I could make educated guesses.
1: Yeah, I think it's to do with the success of Balin Wonderworld, obviously. It didn't yeah. quite reach expectations Square Enix must have had for it.
0: I mean, let's be honest, though. Like, the first Tomb Raider and Hitman didn't reach the success that Square Enix wanted. And they said they sold very well and reviewed very well. Hmm. And even going into this, apparently Eugene Acker had said that Square had said, okay, you get one chance. And that <laughs> that one chance was in Wonderworld, unfortunately for him, which is yeah. a, a game that Tom Parry you perhaps the biggest eugene Acker fan i i know of the biggest sonic fan especially have not talked about on this podcast well I because i didn't get purchased. it no exactly. it's not that i haven't wanted
1: to get it uh i was just <laughs> i played the demo okay i played the demo on the switch and i thought it was fine i thought it was good i it had this weird sort of charm to it I thought they had some a couple of neat ideas, but it did feel like a sort of mm, average game.
0: Yeah, and I, I I say this, Tom. like We haven't talked about this, actually, but like yeah. the week after that game came out, I expected to come onto this podcast and I expected you to be like, oh, I bought Bal in Wonderworld. Yeah. yeah, I really like it. Oh, there's some things about it, but oh, I really like these bits. And when you didn't do that, I and didn't when buy I could, oh, everyone. Dear. If I absolutely... let
1: Eugene Ecker down? I... You have,
0: Tom. But you personally it was just like, "Oh well, Tom, will, Tom will buy it." And then he didn't, he didn't see your pre-order. And I was, was like, waiting oh, no. for it
1: to come down in price. I played I mean, the demo and thought, "Yeah, this is average. I'll wait for it to get a bit cheaper."
0: <laughs> it, it made me laugh, right? Because I went to I went to Bilka, a Danish supermarket chain, and was just like, "Oh, I'll." I'm going to pick up Resident Evil. And they didn't have Resident Evil, but you know what Balan they had and on the Wonder PS5? Battle Wonder Wonderworld. Like, I tell wow. you
1: what, that, it's a very affordable game now. You get like 15 quid on the last gen. I think it's only slightly more on PS5 and Xbox yeah. Series X. Although, again, it's a new game, so I kind of want to play it on the Series S.
3: Yeah.
1: However, the, uh, it's not been discounted digitally Anywhere, it doesn't seem. Probably so they can make a bit more money back off it. I mean, there's
0: only like 20 games out on the new system, so (laughs) they kind of. They probably are just like, well, fuck them. We'll leave it high. Uh,
1: Yeah, but I I would. as it hits a sale. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Digitally. I'd like to get it, because my impression of it wasn't bad. I didn't think it was a bad game at all. I just thought it was a fairly average platformer.
0: I. I didn't even play the demo, because I. I, like, I played oh, it on the I...
1: Switch even, and the Switch version's not got all the bells and whistles of the other versions. I mean,
0: No, I I hear the Switch demo in particular well, the Switch version of the game even doesn't run no, very no, well it's... at all, which is a shame.
1: It's fine, but yeah, you could definitely see it being better on the other consoles, yeah.
0: I mean that I to be fair, right, that kind of goes for a lot of Switch games. I saw Biomutants on Switch, and I'm like, oh I bet no, that it doesn't isn't. run very well. Yeah, that's what the that's what to Bio- beat said. Yeah.
1: I've not heard about Bar mutant being on Switch.
0: I hadn't either, but I saw it on How Long to Beat just now. So it's I'm...
1: not it's not out on Switch.
0: No, nope. afford... no,
1: that's a mistake. Yeah,
0: interesting. I was
1: thinking about that today. I think it would the Switch audience would lap up Bar mutant, I think because of the of the age bracket as well. I think if I'd have played that game, I, I love it as it is today, but. If I I'd have play that game when I was even younger, yeah, I would have been even more into it,
0: I suppose, you know. Yeah, buy mutant on how long to beat says Nintendo Switch, PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One.
1: Well, it's making that up because you can't buy it on the Switch. No, <laughs> <Maybe>. you can't. <laughs> I'm just checking now. Interesting, yeah.
0: is it is it announced? Can you see that at least?
1: Uh, no, I can't see any uh, word of announcement. I think it'll be difficult to get it to run on the Switch
0: i would imagine it would be too that's why it would be a whole other
1: project to downgrade that game to get it to run properly and well on the Switch. i'm
0: very curious to see why that's there Hmm. anyways Hmm. uh
1: but yeah it'd be kind of nice to see it on the switch if it's you know done properly
3: (laughs)
0: yeah
1: um have you got a ps5 yet matthew
0: no, Tom Perry, no, I haven't. Why is that? I've been in two fucking lotteries <laughs> this week, Tom, and even for the digital version of the game, uh, I have uh, not been lucky enough to get one, because, you The know, digital version of the console, you mean? Yes, exactly, yeah. not like a, a picture of it. I haven't been was... for any <laughs> of these scams. No, it's, it's, been, it's been annoying, to, to say the least. Like, I... I have looked into getting this console, and I I was talking about it to you offline. Like, I've almost had a pre order in now for like nine months, and I still don't own one. Hmm. And the fact that, like, certain Danish retailers, like BR and Bilker, are actually jacking up the price of their PlayStation 5s, I think is disgusting. (laughs) Like, I get it. Because, like, they're probably seeing all these other people making money and then going, like, well, why shouldn't we make that money ourselves? It's like mm. an extra 500 kroner isn't going to discourage people from buying it and selling it for, like, 8,000, yeah. which is what they do in here. That's just I poor can... thinking on your part.
1: I can talk a little to what it's like to get one in the UK because, uh, yeah, I did decide to try and get one recently and I was involved in a couple of uh, queues. I was using the a Twitter page to find out when stock was available, yeah there's also like YouTube videos which um real time update what watch places have got stock, and a little siren goes off um That's when funny. some somewhere's got stock uh, and I didn't realize until I started trying to get one myself how hard it was
0: it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> And
1: it got me thinking about why is this, but also at the set. I know it's to do with parts, isn't it? It's to do with a limited um, amount of them based on sourcing parts for the console.
0: Yeah, and it's not even just the PlayStation. There is genuinely yeah. a. I think it's capacitors. The issue. It's, yeah, yeah. It's There's a genuinely... with the X,
1: the Series X as
0: well. Yeah.
1: Um, doesn't seem to be much of a problem with the Series S, but maybe that's because more as not as many people are buying it as they as they don't want it as much as the other ones.
0: No, I've seen Series S's multiple times. I saw but, one the um, other day. Actually, and was like, hmm. But I'm,
1: they're very I'm gonna... good. They're very good, for, especially know, for the price. And like, there's not I'm much gonna, difference.
0: If I'm gonna buy an Xbox, it's gonna be a Series X. I think that's, that's... what a
1: lot of people are thinking, aren't they? Um, yeah. But if you if if you're on a bit of a budget and you don't mind not having a disk drive, and you haven't got a 4K TV, no. then just get it. It's it's very good. Hey,
0: man, don't get me wrong. Like, If I don't get a PlayStation 5 anytime soon, I'll get an Xbox Series X. If I get a PlayStation 5, finally, I will probably pick up a Series S, because it seems mm. like a nice way to be able to play those games. Yeah.
1: I think um, the PlayStation 5... I was wondering why it is so popular and why people want it so badly, because I know there are people... Sitting on a laptop, refreshing pages all day. I've seen these comments on the YouTube videos, on the Twitter pages. The desire that people have to own that console is quite astounding.
0: It's ridiculous, but it's Um, also a, oh my god, look, I own this thing. It was the same with the Wii back in the day. Like, you must have known this. You were in games retail at the time. Mm
1: -hmm. People want it to a degree because they can't get it. And it makes them want it more.
3: Yes, and oh, I said to you,
1: FOMO. just before the um, the podcast, I saw a comment from someone uh, replying to a tweet saying the Series X was available, which is you know a rarity in itself. Uh, why would I want that? Because it's it's common. This is just one person's opinion, but yeah. if other people have that same opinion that it's more readily available, meaning it's not as good. But which, I, check, you know, from one from one angle, you could understand that because why yeah. aren't people buying that? Well, there's no good reason other than the fact I think there is a bigger user base established for PlayStation. The brand is, you know, more well-recognized, more well-loved. Yeah, yeah, these are true no, things, I'm, aren't they?
0: I'm, I'm laughing because it, we watched an episode of um, the HBO series of what we do in the shadows last night, um, yeah. based on the movie, of course. yeah. And there there's one character, there's a, f- a familiar, called Gil- uh, Guillero. Um, i can't pronounce his name um uh, i know the name i
1: I would also find it hard to pronounce
0: (laughs) um and he's he's there and like one of the vampires asks the vampires who own the house like why haven't you eaten him yet and they're like oh well at first it was very tempting but now he's been there so long it kind of makes you think why is no one else eating him already? It's like the last donut in the display <laughs> counter. And
1: just yeah, like... what well, is there something wrong with it? You know, yeah. If it's if it's available, and that's probably what's happening with the Series S. So, like, hmm, you can get that. It must not mean it's as good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, so it's an interesting uh, situation, uh, but yeah, they're still very hard to get hold of. People are so dedicated uh, to the PlayStation brand, and I think a lot of it is because. Uh, the backwards compatibility this time around. If you've got more people owning PlayStations and more people have games for them that they'll want to play on their new system, it almost feels like it's an upgrade. Like, uh, you know, you get the new um, iPhone. Do you know what I mean? It's like PlayStation is a brand like Apple. You want the latest version of the technology. Yeah. Even though there aren't that many exclusive games for the PS5, they want to upgrade their console
0: they do and like it well. it, it's kind of interesting anytime i hear podcasters talking about playing games on the PlayStation 5 they're like oh it's a ps4 game but i'm playing it on the ps5 hmm. it seems like i would even argue that that the the benefits of doing so on a Series X seem more prevalent. It seems like Microsoft has given people a way to make games play better on the Series X. Yeah, I mean, there are
1: some examples of that with Sony, especially with Sony first-party titles, adding 60 frames per second support. But it's sort of very much like these are the Xbox One Xs, I think, micro, you know, of, of this time, because Microsoft even said, you know, this time round, um, we've already been coming out of the gate with the premium version of the console, right? Yeah. The Series S is the standard version of the console. The Series X is equivalent to the Xbox One X. Yeah. Yeah. So they've even said it themselves, you know, that, that these consoles are the same, but a bit better for those purists who want 60 frames per yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, You know, it.
0: so. Well, I mean, it's, it, nice. it's, it's them there. coming back. To this idea that they had last gen, right, of like the Series X being the world's most powerful console, and I, I think so this Xbox time, One X, the Xbox One X, yeah. <laughs> it, but I think it's now they they can say that with the Series X as well, right? Like, yes, that, that's, they're that's right. They're just establishing, hey, we have this really powerful console. It's also, I I think it's really interesting because I I do think they have the games now, and I think people are loyal to the Xbox brand and probably already managed to get one, which is great. And from the sense of things in the States, where things are harder to get hold of, yeah. Microsoft is incentivizing people through how long they've had Xbox Live and all this other stuff to make sure they can get consoles, which is something I wish that Sony would start to do, <laughs> honestly. Mm.
2: Like...
1: Yeah, so- Sony seemed less concerned with... Um... These uh, niceties that um, Microsoft—they uh, they don't need to be. They don't need to no, be. But and that's... it just shows that Microsoft don't need to do these initiatives and stuff. And
0: yeah, but, but they uh, shouldn't be. Like, yes, like they, the they issue. should
1: be. You know, they should be on that level, regardless what you think of either of them as as brands. It, it's quite nice that. Uh, I've heard that Microsoft customer service is very good. A friend of mine was trying to um sort out a problem with Xbox Live uh, Game Pass Ultimate the other day and uh, got on a bank holiday Monday got feedback straight away and very That's helpful nice. customer service. Now it may be the same with Sony. I'm not saying that Microsoft's better yeah. by any by any means, but it's it's a it's a it's a good option, you know, if you can't get a PS five. But you probably want a PS five if you've gone all in on the PS four.
0: Yeah but there you go. N- But now you understand my pain, right? Now you've seen firsthand what I've done. Oh yeah, no, I know exactly how hard it is
1: to get one. And I might, you know, be tempted to jump ship to the Xbox if it's easier. If I was you, you know. I've already got the Series S and I don't have a brand loyalty to one or the other. Because obviously I'm looking to get a
0: PS five too. But I don't really care. I like if I look at the sunk cost of like how many PS four games I've got, yes, that's the issue for me. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that is literally stopping me of going like, oh well, I guess I'll get all my games on this this gen is that Final Fantasy XIV is only on the PS5, <laughs> yeah, held hostage well, it will by Square. Be
1: a timed thing, won't it? No,
0: it no, isn't it's... on. It isn't on the Xbox One. Like it is, is a PlayStation thing. That's why it I won't
1: come on... a year later on Xbox I, One. You don't I, think
0: it hasn't? I I don't think it will. Like Xbox I think One. That's... I mean Xbox Series. <laughs> I think that's why they made the big push for PSO, mate. Like, I I don't think it is gonna come to Xbox. Really? Yeah. I okay. mean, think about it. Like, even the original 14 was a demo, a uh, beta, like around the launch of the PS4. Like they did mm. this last time as well. Like, well,
1: then you have to go for the console that's got the games you want to play on it. Oh
0: well, no, I'm I'm well aware, but also yeah. I do have a digital version of PS of. Um, shadowbringer which means i could just download it without having to worry about a disc drive but at the same time i'm like if i'm gonna get a discless ps5 then i may as well just get an xbox series x it's
1: it's different isn't it because you're paying more for the discless version you're paying 100 pounds more for a discless ps5 compared to a discless xbox
3: yeah You know, of course,
1: like there's no hardware differences between discless PS5 and disc PS5. Where there is a slight hardware difference between
0: the the X and the S, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But it depends how much that bothers you. It doesn't bother me. That's why I went for the S. No, but then again, I'm still looking for a PS5. But that's more to play like PS5 exclusives. Like Guilty Gear Strive isn't coming out on Xbox. Um, it will be clank, available on PS4, but I'm imagining the PS5 version will be the one to get, because,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm, let's see, man. Like, I, I hope I get one soon, but, like, I'm not, I'm also not that bothered, because, like, there aren't that many games coming to either of them. So, let's
1: hmm. see. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Um, we'll see. I might still punt take a punt on one, but it's not very much fun. It's if if the dedication you have to put in is that high to get one, then nah,
0: no. The thanks. thing is though, as well, right? Like you need to bear in mind the UK is a big gaming market. Denmark mm. isn't, which is yeah. why like it's even harder to get one year, which sucks.
1: So there was a drop on Amazon uh, this last week. Uh, I was there at the time, slightly too late. They sold out in five minutes. Yeah yeah I could still see the add to trolley button, and I was pressing it, but there was a it wasn't letting you add it yeah. uh, it takes me a little while to you know uh, update it so it says it's out of stock
2: so yeah, it was I out like of stock
1: you. that's why I couldn't add it to the um, basket, but the button was still there, and I know a lot of people were very frustrated. I keep pressing this button, but it won't go in the basket you know
0: yeah I had five the, minutes I, I had the same thing with um when I tried to buy one months ago around Christmas time, like I kept it in my cart and literally I, re- I went onto the site every day because it was still in my cart in the hopes that they'd restock and then I could click just pay, but I couldn't, never could.
1: Yeah, it will get better eventually. I yeah, don't know like, when though.
0: In about a year's time, like Sony have said, even through 2022, they don't expect to have many consoles. So I'm just like, <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. Some people are saying they're there all day. Refreshing websites,
0: yeah, man. And like, when you when you're up against that, and people who have time to do that, well, like, the average the ch-
1: person's who can't do that, you know,
0: exactly, going to get are, one. What are the chances of a, a regular person getting one? And I like, I keep hoping, right? I keep hoping I'm going to go into a shop and see one and just be like, oh my god, finally one in a shop. But like, that's not going to happen because why would they? A, why would you bother when you know you can just put them all online and sell them anyway in a couple of seconds? And B, honestly, if I was a staff member putting on PlayStation 5 on the shop, I would call all my mates, or I would just buy them myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that is the current situation. Um so it goes. Yeah, that's so how it goes, what What can you say?
0: Anyways, on that happy note, I'm going to eat this Kinder Egg that my wife bought me, because oh. that's, that's the the consolidation and the... The solace I need after a podcast of this, talking about this frustrating PS5 situation. <laughs> it's not to say it hasn't been lovely to talk to you, of course, Thomas. Oh, lovely it's to been be
1: an absolute pleasure
0: in your years, listeners. But you know, I need I need some solace in this kind of joy. It's, it's got joy in the title, time. What else do you need? <laughs> if you've liked listening to podcasts, you can find us in a variety of places, such as on BlastProcess dot com, dot com. You can go over to your favourite podcasting application of choice, such as iTunes, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, and you can listen to us there while you're there. Want to give us a cheeky rate and subscribe? You can also read some stuff about us or from us on such social media channels as twitter.com where Tom Parry will be at Tom Parry 11. I will be at yeah. Game Boyle and collectively we will be under the moniker of at TMA cast. You can also yeah. go on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tom Matt if you want to leave us a message there.
1: So many places you can find So uh, many ways Tom to Matt engage
0: Attack. with our hashtag content, Tom. <laughs> um, yeah, and I did it in a different order this week just because I could. Uh, I hope you appreciate it the mix-up. But did you mention Spotify? I did not, and of <laughs> course still waiting for that Spotify sponsorship but we are on Spotify, why not Why not give us a cheeky rate and subscribe there even though you can't, you can subscribe I think but I don't think you can rate. Yeah, you can Anyways. subscribe
1: yeah, that's right.
0: Thomas, been lovely chatting with you, I'm gonna pick away at this kinder I'm gonna break the seal on the microphone Oh, um, It's like
1: a little um, eggshell it is half an eggshell.
0: This is how they can sell them in the US, Tom. Uh, Kinder Joy, I believe was invented because there's a, a legal requirement that disallows them from selling Kinder eggs on the regular in America.
1: But this is like a little yogurt with two balls
0: in. It is. Um these are like little Ferrero Rochers, Tom. in essentially what is the cream from a kinder bueno. It's delicious. I'm not going to eat it on the microphone, though. So I'm going to say, what do we say at the end of every podcast, Tom Parry? And that is Game On. Game On.